great. But here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. Sir. We will you don't have to think about it. So let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just that's where he just after Ooh, ran down. Everybody, amazing! I'm not gonna remember any of it. That's good. That's the way to go. All over the Rams today and Rammy. I mean, now he's like on his feet. How are you guys? Who's house? Wow. Rammy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Rams Brothers. I'm your host Dean, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother and the other fantastic host of this show, Nick. And Nick, it's Colts Week. Rams are one and two, Colts are two and one, but first and most importantly, how are you, my good brother? I am good. You know, I'm ready. I'm ready for more football. I'm hopefully ready to watch Jared Goff take down uh, the Packers on Thursday night football. So, you know, fingers crossed, rooting for number 16. That's right. We got Thursday night football coming up. That means we got Nick's picks on the horizon. We're also going to preview the Colts' offense and defense, Shane Steichen, Anthony Richardson everything else in between. But first and most importantly, before you guys do anything else, make sure that you guys are. Like and subscribe, it means the world to us. We're continuously growing this platform and we need your guys' support to to be on board. So thank you very much for being a part of it so far. And uh, hopefully the rise is meteoric. (laughs) <laughs> I like the sound of that. And that was the first time we did that at the beginning of the episode and not at the end. So we're learning. Curveballs. I'm keeping us on our toes. Nick, the Indianapolis Colts are 2-1. and one. Uh, Had a pretty incredible win over the Baltimore Ravens over the weekend and the Texans the previous week. So coming off of back-to-back wins uh, and back-to-back weeks, and they opened the season with a loss in Jacksonville, but they've been really impressive to start the season under new head coach Shane Steichen. That Ravens game was bizarre. I mean, they almost went, what, I think they had two possessions each in overtime, and then Matt Gay ended up kicking his fourth 50-yard-plus field goal, which broke the NFL record and got the got the Indianapolis Colts a win. So I, I don't know. What is your initial takeaway on this team? Because they're kind of all over the map for me. So always a strange game when Justin Tucker doesn't drill the 60-yard uh, game winner. And then yeah. we're talking about the other kicker on the team, which is Rams legend Matt Gay. Otherwise, we'll talking about Justin one. Tucker, had just they had another opportunity for Justin Tucker in overtime to hit an, a 62-yarder, and they said, "Now nah, we don't want to try. Let's punt it away." Yeah, so, I like. I, I obviously like. He's probably like bad. Like I, I just missed the last one, but I can get this one. Like, what are you playing for the tie there? And then Minshew Magic. Um, yeah, I mean the Colts. I think are actually a good team and could sneak into the playoffs in the AFC 100. percent Like. I, I think a, a lesser-versed podcaster would look at the Colts and be like, okay, uh, McVay undefeated against the Colts. He's kind of owned them. His first game as a head coach, they demolished the Colts. This is a completely new team, um, and I I see no problem them rattling off three, three, three wins in a row. Like, that's yeah. very possible with this team. Like, they're going to be hungry, and it's at home, and regardless of who's starting a quarterback – they're a, like a well-oiled machine, which is something I did not think I would say coming into this year. This was the one win I saw there. Our first four games, and I was like, okay, we can win that one. 
Yeah, you know what? I think the uh, watching Gardner Minshew fall down onto his knees and praise the Lord when Matt Gay made that 50-yard field goal to win the game, to me, that that signifies that that was a miracle victory and that they felt like they didn't have, they didn't necessarily feel like they had business being in that game. But that's not necessarily the case because this is a good football team and they played their asses off over three weeks. Shane Steichen has done an incredible job over the first three weeks. He did an incredible job in Philadelphia. And you remember last year when they were four and 12, they were third place in the AFC South, right behind the Houston Texans. They finished or they started uh, three, five, and one. They fired Frank Reich. And remember, they won their first game with Jeff Saturday, improved the four, five, and one, and then lost seven straight to end the regular season. I mean, it's, you got legitimate entertainment on your hands with that squad coming out of last year. And then this is kind of how these teams. They, they come to these these rises and you, you bring in this the coaching staff and you bring in the quarterback and they conducted roughly 132 hours of interviews uh, with Raheem Morris being one of the top candidates. And they ended up landing on Shane Steichen. So as unorthodox as that process was, it absolutely worked in favor of the Indianapolis Colts and the future of this franchise. So as right. we look at this offense right now, this Shane Steichen era is live and well in Indianapolis. Whether you're coming off of a miracle victory or not, it's a really, really tough football game. It's a one-point spread. We're going to be in Indianapolis. So we're all witnesses of what Jalen Hurts did with Philadelphia last year. I mean, Shane Steichen and Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia, throw to score, run to win was the offensive approach and offensive methodology that he's carrying in Indianapolis. So just really impressive, I think, to start. Um you know, that, that first game against Jacksonville is a divisional game. But, I mean, the, the last two weeks, they've been genuinely impressive. And I think a lot of people, they've added themselves to their radar. They they 100% could have won that Jacksonville game. Um, yep. It seemed like it almost tuckered Jacksonville out the entire – like for the rest of the um, season so far because they have been able to put nothing up. It's like they, they brought their A game and then they've fallen flat. Like the Colts straight up look like the better team, the best team in that division right now. Um, what a fun little division too. All of a sudden, like yeah, like the Texans are scrappy. I totally forgot until you just brought it up right now that Raheem Morris interviewed for this job. Like it was almost a, Morris, almost a foregone conclusion. He was yeah. almost the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. It, it very, very was close to happening. I think it was between him and and Shane Steichen and maybe one other guy. Yeah, and I I think what everybody's takeaway from the Eagles going into this year was Sirianni was very much involved in the play calls last year. And this new guy that has been with um, Jalen Hurts for college into the NFL is there, there's going to be a seamless transition. Yeah. And the in offense, I mean, yeah, it looks solid. Does it look anywhere as good as it did last year? No, it does not. Shane, Shane Steichen brought that with him to Indianapolis for better or worse for Philadelphia for better for Indianapolis, yep. and there's a lot of good um, that can be seen from these past Colts games, and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a dogfight. And I I'm I'm almost hoping that we see Richardson, so the Rams can kind of get a feel for that type of quarterback heading yep. into next week. I'm looking forward into Week Five against Philadelphia, but you know I that's just because we're gonna be there, so I'm. Death, deathly thinking of that game. No, but it's a it's a really really good point. Um, you don't have anybody on the practice squad to be able to simulate those type of 
experiences. And, and Anthony Richardson is not somebody that you could even simulate an experience against because of how incredibly naturally gifted he is and talented. But their play design and situational play calling, third downs, red zone, just overall, I think has been really, really impressive with Shane Steichen. And their wide receiver trio right now, Nick, we're looking at guys like Michael Pittman from USC. You know, we're looking at Josh Downs uh, from UNC and then Alec Pierce, you know, is dicing some people up. (laughs) It is not a, and you know, they have some talent at the tight end position as well. Um, So, and you know, there's Zach Moss and Kylan Grant's in a tight end. And Zach Moss is, looks like he's the running back that everybody thought he was going to be. So some legitimate production out of all of their skill players. Like I think Nick, in order for this team, the Rams, obviously to give their best effort um, and give themselves a chance to win. I think you absolutely have to keep Anthony Richardson in the pocket and try to just condense Shane Steichen's RPO offense uh, to what it was that, that Joe Burrow had to be condensed to on Monday night football when he was limited with his legs. Like you have to be able to allow Anthony Richardson to sit in the pocket and we can take our chances if he wants to throw the ball 30 to 40 times in a game, right? Because the Rams are allowing only 181 pass yards on average per game and they only have the one turnover to show for it. But I, I think you have to be able to keep Anthony Richardson in the pocket and let him try to beat you with his arm because the inaccuracy issues have trickled in from college to the pros, obviously Shane Steichen is going to keep the offense condensed enough to be able to eliminate some of those mistakes and keep the high probability plays um, at his disposal at all times. But I don't know. I mean, are you going to be able to uh, consistently rush the passer with Aaron Donald? Or are you going to have to be able to get creative with some of the, the blitz packages that you come up with again? Yeah. And everything that we've seen with with Anthony Richardson, I mean, it, it hasn't been a lot of an NFL sample, but he he's evasive. Like, I think they're going to have to bring not only just, like, the front four, but have, like, a spy kind of at all times, and less yeah. so, like, a safety spy, but more so, like, they got to come in in case he's just going to go off because I've seen him – I've been watching his highlights, and he can, re, he can he just rip off these, like, 25-yard gut runs, and you're like – Oh my God! Like where where are we? And the fact that you know, credit to this defense last week, holding the Ravens, who everybody thought were like so ready to champion, be like, oh, the Ravens are back. The Ravens in the NFC. Colts defense. You know that front is mean and physical at the point of the attack. Man, it's just that's what I'm more worried about because I'm not as much worried about our defense. I'm worried about the Colts defense just destroying our offensive line and, st- and it being similar to last week where Stafford's on his ass like yeah yeah you brought up a really good point about Anthony Richardson before we pivot over to the defense and this goes back to the point on Shane Steichen and play design just watch the way that this play just goes about its business you got a guy in motion you they're in the RPO they run the guy in in a reverse and then Anthony Richardson just follows follows the exact play I was talking about I had no idea that you had that queued up Yeah, I mean, let's, let's just play it again. It's it's ridiculous because yeah. they're in the RPO. The, the running back moves to the left, and the guy in the motion also follows that side. So it brings, you know, 80% of the defense over to the left side of the field. Anthony Richardson's left on a one-on-one opportunity to the end zone. And it's really good red zone play calling, really solid situational play calling. So those are the kind of things that you have to be able to contain. Good luck on those designed runs. I mean, if you're able to keep Anthony Richardson in the pocket and force him to beat you with his arm, I think that gives you your best chance of winning. But if these design runs, he's a six foot five, 250 pound horse. Like he is going to be really tough to stop in the open field. But your point, Nick, 
to having somebody spying, I think is really smart because I really liked what they did um, against Joe Burrow to where they had that choice option linebacker at the line of scrimmage. It could either be Ernest Jones, it could be Roseboom, it could be Quentin Lake in the dime linebacker. But then what if they're only rushing if they understand that their assignment is pass blocking, right? Because it's an opportunity to be able to rush the passer. And it's a good way to move the pocket and potentially force a turnover. Like that might be essential. And then some of these corners corners might be looking for some of the tendencies from Anthony Richardson once he moves out of the pocket to peel off his assignment and then try and make a tackle in space. It's exactly what you're talking about. Have a spy on Anthony Richardson in the open field and be hopeful that they can make the tackle when the time comes. Yeah, yeah. and I like I said, Somewhat of a Raheem Morris revenge game, in a way. I mean, you know, you don't get the you don't get the job. You're not going to be happy, you know. Sure. I mean, I, I'm sure he's happy to come back to LA, but at the same time, I, he has proven time and time again that he has enough to be a head coach in this league. I mean, he's probably already three times the coach that Brandon Saley is. No offense, Brandon Saley. Oh, I mean, look at the Mike McDaniel effect on the on the Denver Broncos, right? If he had an opportunity to be able to win that job over, it probably would have been the best decision the Denver Broncos had made in the past seven, eight years since Peyton Manning left. Yeah, and then they get, you know, whistleblower, bounty caller, Kevin James. And he is, you know, all offseason, he's talking crap about saying how this organization has been run horribly. And thank God I come in. And then they give up. 70 points. And you it's know what? Time. It should have been 73, but McDaniel was like, I don't want to, you know, it's like, I don't need to go down as the guy that scored the most points in the NFL. Like my team doesn't need that. Like they just, you know, need the ball, which was. They just, yeah. They just wanted yeah. to kick the ass. That's exactly what they did. Um, okay. So transferring over to the defense. So, so this is the face of the front. It's Samson Ebukam. Nick, I mean, these mustard jerseys, obviously, we go back to the legendary 2018 game uh, in Mexico City, uh, or it was supposed to be in Mexico City. Obviously, it was in the Coliseum. But um, he is one of the faces of the Colts' defensive front. I mean, they're mean, physical. Like, Gus Bradley's doing a really nice job at being able to generate pressure consistently with just being able to rush four. And it's no surprise that he and Shane Steichen are kind of back together again. They're playing really well, complementary football together. Um, I think their relationship dates back to when they worked together for the Chargers. So there is a relationship that dates back. You can tell that the two pairings have worked really well together. They work well together in all situations to be able to play well, complementary football. Um, so I don't know. I, I think this is going to be a really, really tough defense to be able to move the football on, especially coming out of the week you just had. 12 sacks, seven fourths forced fumbles both tied for second in the nfl um yeah it's i i the rams are gonna have to be better than their turnovers because i i foresee a either strip sack or a you know tipped ball interception that people don't want to blame stafford for but at (laughs) at some point you gotta you know you gotta pay the piper so um i mean they're going to have to be impressive on offense. We have to see the Rams run the ball, and we're going to have to see them, you know, hold uh, that defensive front, you know, in uh, in front of Stafford so they yeah. don't, you know, break the box and get to them. I think that the front is also, like, the past couple of weeks they've been really solid, and they've been showing up on the stat sheet, but I feel like the front has been a beneficiary of some of the solid veteran presence that they have on the back end. It's like Kenny Moore – 
on the outside is in his seventh season. He's a good player. He's been in the league for seven years. Uh, he's a veteran seasoned Julian Blackman at safety is same kind of player. And so is EJ speed who plays the nickel. They're both in their fourth year in their final years of their deal. And then you got Shaq Leonard in the middle and guys like DeForest Buckner and Samson Ebukam and Quiddy Pay rushing the passer up front with a ton of success. I mean, 23 tackles for a loss, which is first in the NFL. Like these, these guys know exactly what they're doing. They know the kind of pressure that they want to dial up. They're not missing tackles and they're forcing turnovers. And I think that you have to be able to put together a game plan that completely eliminates mistakes. It can't be pass first, rush third. You have to be able to run the ball more than 10 times. There's a lot of things that I feel like they can do in this game. They've given up 115 yards, the Colts, on the ground, but only 3.5 yards per attempt, which is seventh best in the league. Like I, To me, I want to see more bunched formations. I want to see 12 personnel, heavier personnel groupings, Stafford under center, run play action, get him rolling, and then you could open up your bag of explosives. My thought yeah. was when I was just trying to think through, like, how can we break through as an offense? It's a little bit of the 2020 offense, right, where you had him under center, you had him rolling out in play action, you had the run game attached to it, uh, a little bit of the 2021 explosives when the opportunities present themselves, and then a little bit of Matt LaFleur, San Francisco, downhill, run scheme when you have the lead. I think the combination of those three pillars – can really help the Rams' offense get back in their bag and get back to where they need to be. In my opinion, there is zero reason why we should see the kind of play that we saw against Cincinnati with, like you said, you know, throw first and run third. And also, zero reason why we shouldn't be on the phone right now with free agent Daryl Henderson. <laughs> I really like uh, – no, I laugh – Laugh all you want. I'm dead serious. No, I, familiar face. Um, he like they even talked about how Kyron Williams is getting too many carries. He's like number one in the NFL for running backs. Like I, I laughed because I thought you were going to say Jonathan Taylor. I thought you were going to go way bigger, way bolder than Daryl Henderson. Who no, hasn't no. he? Has he Daryl Henderson taken a snap this season? No, no, he's been signed to some like like he's uh, trained with some teams, but like. I like, what are we doing? Like Kyron Williams cannot, he's not Todd Gurley who was just on name that tune last night, which is wild to see him there. Yeah. I mean the, the snap count and, and share of carries and share, it's, it's, it's too much for one single running back to be able to carry. So, I mean, I don't know if you get Ronnie rivers more involved in the pass game, but if you try to bring in a free agent to try and expand the run game, but all I know is Nick, I feel like Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, um, who else has been here for the past couple of years? Sony, Sony Michelle. Michelle. Um, these are not groundbreaking players. Like they're not players that average more than three and a half yards per carry. They're not going to break runs for more than 10 yards. They don't break tackles in the open space. Like I just miss that groundbreaking, game breaking, take over the game late in the game type of running back. Um, yeah, we, you can, we don't see you that. Can, you can rely on. I know. I just, I miss that kind of player. Like I look at the Eagles. And I look at the San Francisco 49ers and I look over at Swift and Gainwell and Boston Scott and, and uh, who else? John Robinson. And, yeah, and even and Montgomery at, to some degree. And then I look at Christian McCaffrey and I look at Kyle Juszczyk and whoever, Debo Samuel. Like, I just feel like that these guys who are carrying the rock are legitimate playmakers, skilled players, talented, all pros in this league consistently. And we haven't had that for four years. 
we've had a, a day two or a day three draft pick. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's not something that's a necessity at all, but I think that it, it definitely could help the offense run the scheme a little bit more efficiently. It is just so shocking that McVay's genius, and I've probably said this like 20 times, I'm going to say it again. His genius relies so heavily on the play being developed and the quarterback having time to go through his reads and al- allowing like the big blow up yard chunkage guy to get open. And the best way to, you know, have the defense confused is to have a threatening running back, which they yeah. are not, yeah. they haven't had since Todd Gurley. Like it's just like bringing somebody like I know he's not a free agent, but like, you know, like even some of these backup running backs like Elijah Mitchell like the, he would be great for the Rams. You know? uh, Leonard Fournette was being talked about today. Yeah, no, it's, it's would, a good conversation. Would love that. Would love that. It's a good conversation. I mean, you're still <laughs> talking about not breaking any tackles in the open field. But I mean, you know, maybe in a red zone situation, you're more comfortable giving somebody the ball that is built like Leonard Fournette opposed to Kyron Williams and Ronnie Rivers. Some maybe some of that's sure-handed in the red zone, and maybe that. <laughs> Take some of the thinking out of the game, makes it a little Why bit more. Why even have these other running backs on the roster if you're just going to give, like, if you only trust? Yeah, Kyle. yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, and they need, they desperately need these explosives. You talked about how McVay's offense is so reliant on explosives. They don't have any touchdowns of 10 plus yards this season. Like, I, I, but I also don't need to see the second and 10 play where they're in a blitz zero look. And Matthew Stafford is just getting absolutely dismantled, driven oh into the curb. Yeah, it's just and there's there's no like quick dig or like you know five yards and cut back. Every single guy is like player. And you, know, and you know when you when you look at that tape and Baldy specifically broke it down, you don't necessarily know which receivers have option routes and which don't. Maybe Tutu or Puka had an option route where they, they should have turned around and ran towards the middle of the field, towards the zone vacancy. That was one – dad brought that up to me today when I was chatting with him, and he was like, you know, that Cooper Cup may have figured that out on his own. You know, sometimes the receiver just has to be smart enough to be able to read the defense. And some of the Rams' offense is predicated on that, which makes this such a, a tough game to, to play. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, Nick, it might be time – to transition over to Nick's picks. Nick's picks. Nick's picks. Okay. Yeah, All right. Are you ready? I think I am. All right. Nick's picks week four. Okay. So last week, everyone seemed to love the Nick's picks theme song. We sampled Bluey and it was so good that we got hit with a copyright. So last week's episode of the Rams Brothers was partly brought to you by Bluey because we had to split the profits. With Bluey. Um, listen, we still love Bluey on Nick's picks, though. I will allow zero Bluey slander. Um, but this week, we're going to get a little more obscure for the theme song. See if those keen millennials who listen to our show can figure out where this song is from, which song I we're outified. Um, and the producers have it for us teed up. But, um, you know, the producers aren't great with volume control, so maybe turn your volume down a little bit for this one because I know it 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 can get quite loud. Okay, let's see what we got here. I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Next picks! Next picks! Next picks was a show. Maybe it was 
Pepper Show. Is this you? Yeah. Maybe it Pretty was good. just a segment. <laughs> but they were still experts. I think you're gonna. You're. It's not my personal favorite. That's okay. But I think that that will have a ton of fans. A ton I, of deep uh, cut fans will will be a, a big big fan of that. The deep cut fans, I think, will love that as well. The the B siders, if you will. Um, all right, Dean. So it's ridiculous. I think Puka has has the most targets. Uh, the, the the receiver with most targets without a TD. Uh, he must be listening to the pod and know that Dean's locks just don't hit. But I mean, you have to run it back this week, right? Like, it's a guarantee he's he's getting in the end zone. Uh, before Cooper Cup comes back, I would say it would be nice to get him a touchdown before he's reunited with his brother, his best friend, and him and his brother tear up the field together. So running it back with Dean's last? Sure, why not? Third time's a charm. I think I'm actually going to take it this time because I kind of like it. Why not? Why not? Yeah. All right. Let's get going to the picks. Falcons at neutral field. Falcons, Jags at neutral field. Wembley Stadium, London. There are two true blue gambling rules of the NFL. You always bet on the Lions on Halloween, and you always bet with the Jags in London. Unfortunately, they're not playing at Tottenham Hotspur, a fan-favorite stadium here on Nick's Picks. But let's not kid ourselves. This is going to be a Jags home game. And I love it as a bounce-back spot for them. They looked horrendous last week, and they're playing an opponent who looked somehow more horrendous with probably the worst QB in the league, Desmond Ritter. He's a scrut. Uh, Desmond Ritter probably doesn't even know what a scrut is. And you know what I'd say to him? I'd say, why don't you look in the mirror, you scrut? His QBR was 11.1 last week. Uh, his year average is 36. He brings nothing special to the table. This is the don't ever think it'll be – a problem Jags play. Act like they're at home. Pick the better quarterback. We're going to simplify it. Just take the better QB because sometimes it's just as simple as that. Be sure to watch this game on Disney Plus so it'll be all tunified. I'll be up at 6.30 a.m. Sunday fighting off a hangover watching children's programming. 24-15 Jags on top. And we do have Tottenham Hotspur games coming up next week, so that'll be pretty nice. Oh, lovely. It sounds good. Yeah, Andy's room looks like it's going to be a good premiere, Nick. You'll have to give us an update on it once you tune in. Yeah, I will. I'll, I'll, I'll be live tweeting at 6.30 a.m. for everybody. Also, also love the Jags in this game. Yeah, thank you. Also, I'm going to sprinkle Travis Etienne anytime touchdown. It's not an official pick, but he's been going off, and the Falcons' run D is abysmal. Okay. Yeah, he's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Moving on to Broncos at Bears. Of course, we're touching this game. We have to. It's the most Knicks picks game ever. Dean is shaking his head, eyes widening. Please do not. When others run away from the catastrophe, we run towards it. Like the Ray Romano, Ray Romano mammoth from Ice Age in the first film in the series when he's walking against the grain towards the ice. Uh, Dean, can you name the character? The Ray Romano mammoth from Ice Age. Do you remember Wooly. his name? Huh? Has to be Wooly. It's not. Manny. It's Manny. Manny. All right. Points for Dean. Points it's 1.08 a.m. on the East Coast, and I remembered Manny's name from Ice Age. Manny the points. points times points. a thousand. Points for Dean. Dean gets points for that. Uh, 
So we have two teams that had high expectations going in this year, both being 0-3, and, and both of them getting absolutely embarrassed last week uh, in all three phases. The, the, ga- uh, the game in, is in Chicago, and the Broncos are favored by three. Do not ask me why. I have no idea how. This is the game that Broncos fans and Bears fans will both likely bet on because you want to bet on your team. You want to get high on your own supply. And we know you're not supposed to, but we all do it. When the Rams won the Super Bowl, I won in like five different ways, came out on top. An absolutely euphoric feeling. So both of these fans of these teams think that they can get this win. The Bears are underdogs at home. You know, like they're both playing bad teams. Bans Ferris love that. Broncos, a chance to beat a bad team. Perfect. And again, we're just going to simplify. Both of these teams are horrible. How can you not just take the points? Somebody's be, somebody's giving points. They're both 0-3. They're both terrible. Just take the points. Broncos lose by 50 and they're favored on the road. Give me a break. Bears plus three. Clench your fists, close your eyes, and pray to God. Young Justin Fields is better than an old Russell Wilson. Also, somehow 74% of the handle is on the Broncos. I don't get it. 19-20, it's going to be ugly, and I think the Bears actually take it. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I hope they do, because that franchise seems like it's in disarray, and more so by the day. I don't really yeah, care what happens with the Broncos, because I hate Sean Payton, so go I, Bears. I, exactly. I really like Russell Wilson, and I thought the Broncos would be a great story, but now that they obtained uh, Sean Payton, I just don't like them anymore because Sean Payton is such a little yeah, such a little shit. Um, sorry, excuse my language. Ravens at the Browns. I'm just picking up the Browns D in our fantasy this week, Dean. So I'm kind of justifying it here with my pick. Um, Rams O line once again beaten up. They always are. And these Brownies, they're ferocious. They let the Titans have nothing last week. That's with King Henry. And now you have a dogfight at home with a divisional rival. Like, I like what I'm seeing from this defense, man. I really am. They they toyed with the Bengals, gave up nothing in that Steelers game. The only two touchdowns the Steelers had were defensive touchdowns. And now you get Lamar, who's all of a sudden looking very human. I think the Browns are winning the AFC this year. You heard it here in August, and I'll say it again. Browns minus two and a half over Baltimore. Also, love the under, most likely. I'll check the score in the third quarter. I'll see it's like 6 nothing, and then an hour later, both bets will catch, uh, cash. I'm saying 12-3 Browns. <laughs> 12-3 Browns win, and the Browns cover. What is the spread? Minus 2.5. I'm just taking the money line, though. I, just, I sometimes just don't want to deal with the spread. Nick likes the money line. Yeah. So we're oh. running it back. We got... The Jags over the Falcons, money line. Sprinkle, Travis Etienne, anytime touchdown score. It's not an official pick. Bears plus three. Browns minus two and a half. I know, sorry, Browns money line. Under 40 and a half in Ravens-Browns. And last but not least, my quick pick, Rams. I'm going Rams again. I'm sorry. Their love is my drug. I need it. Richardson or otherwise, Rams have handled business with the Colts in the McVay era. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna pray that I'm happy at the end of this week. Have a wonderful memory of me, you, and our mom going to the first game in the Sean McVay era. They beat the Indianapolis Colts 43 to seven. Absolute dismantlement. It was one of the most fun games I've ever been to in my life. It was uh, so cool. They were like establishing LA culture. I think it was their first year in LA. Second year in LA. Second year. First year with yeah. Sean McVay. 
Yeah, first year was Sean McVay, but that was the first Rams game I went to in LA. And I think the same is for you. And we get there, and the Rams are just like immediately scoring. And every time they scored, they would play California Love, which they still do. But like, they just kept playing the song because they scored like over and over and over again. So we just, me, you, and our, our mom just kept getting up and dancing. And it was, we had great seats. The seats were so cheap back then. Unbelievably cheap. Yeah. If that song synonymous with winning. This era is synonymous with winning. I just want to see them flip it, flip it on the on the the right side and get back to their winning ways. And I think that they're capable of it this year. So um, we're both predicting a win. Thank you guys so much for listening. We love you, and go Rams. Like and subscribe. Thanks for listening all the way through. Let me know what you thought about the theme song. Puka Nakua is going to get in the end zone this week. Thank you guys. Take care. Peace.